So today's message is titled God's Cure for Worry. Let me ask you a question. And I want you to be honest. You should always be honest anytime. But sitting here in church on a Sunday morning, I want you to be honest. How many of you struggle with worrying? Okay. Uh, If you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar. You may be either a liar or have a serious problem with pride. Um, yeah. The question was, do you do you ever struggle with worry? It's a very, very common problem that we have. In fact, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what Jesus had to say about it when he was with his disciples. But worry is a real problem. And, and loved ones, listen to this. If we take this short passage of Scripture that we're going to read this morning to heart, and if we purpose just to obey this one passage of Scripture regarding worry, and we listen to God's cure for worry, how would you like to go out of here and never worry again? Would that be something? I mean, that would be worth the price of admission, right? Yeah. We're on charge admission here at Grace Fellowship Church. But if, and I would submit to you that if the only thing you do from 2015 and all the messages that we've talked or heard or learned over this pulpit, if we go into 2016 with a commitment not to be afraid or not to worry, it will radically change the way we live. And I'm so excited about sharing this passage of Scripture with all of you today. But before we go any further, let's just bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we approach your throne of grace. You said we should come boldly to that throne of grace where we may uh, obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Lord, you know we are weak and we are feeble and we have hearts that are prone to worry and be afraid. That's probably why you tell us so many times in the Scriptures to not be afraid. But Lord, we come to you this morning admitting where we are in need of your grace to help us, in need of your word to teach us, in the need of your Holy Spirit to live inside of our hearts and change us so the point, to the point that we don't worry. What a blessing it would be for all of us, myself included, Lord, if we could move forward from this day, from this scripture, having been touched by God's presence and God's power and the truth of God's words to set us free. Jesus said, if you are my disciples, you will continue in my word. You'll be my disciples. Indeed, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. God, I'm sure there isn't anyone here who wouldn't like to be free from fear and worry. But you've told us here in Philippians how this can happen. So God, please keep us on the edge of our seats, paying attention to you. May our hearts be open. We readily confess our sin of unbelief and fear. When you say, don't be afraid, we confess worry to you as a sin. Because you said, don't worry, and yet we do. So Lord, please forgive us our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and may we walk in truth as you reveal your truth to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles open, I encourage you to turn to the book of Philippians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible or if you walk to church without a Bible, there are Bibles 
in that back uh, library cabinet that are the English Standard Version, which is what I normally read and preach from. Pastor Bill preaches from the New American Standard Version. They're very similar. It's the Word of God. We encourage you to pick one up and read the text while read the passage while I'm reading it. But right now, if you'll remember, last week we were talking about straining for the goal. I'm pressing on toward a goal, right? We saw the prize. Jesus is the prize. We want to leave everything else behind and Jesus is worth going for it. We do not want to cross the finish line with any enter any gas left in the tank. Give it all you got. Let's go for it. Now Paul changes the corner and he begins chapter 4. We read this verse last uh, verse 1. We finished with verse 1 last week. Let's pick it up there though and then we'll get right into our passage for this morning. We're not going to read many verses. Pay attention. This is the word of God. Here's where it starts in Ephesians, or excuse me, Philippians chapter 4 from verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown stand firm thus in the Lord. He goes on and he says, I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about Anything. I'll read that again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus. He goes on from there. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. We're going to talk about verses 8 and 9 next week. But for today, we're going to focus on verses 2 through 7. Okay? God's cure for worry. Do you know that the Greek word translated anxious here in uh, verse um, 6, where it says, do not be anxious about anything, is actually, it actually means pulled in two directions. It's, uh, imagine if I had a big rope up here, okay? And I had um, a couple of my boys, Johnny and Mo, come up and I said, okay, I want Johnny to pull on this rope and Mo to pull on that rope. But before you guys pull on the rope, I'm going to take and make a loop in it right here in the middle. I'm going to put the loop over my neck and you guys can pull on the ropes. Now, what do we got going on here? Worry. The Greek word for anxious means to be pulled in two different directions. It's interesting. Warren Wiersbe, he's a a well-known pastor, teacher, very sweet guy. In fact, the first time I saw a picture of Warren Wearsby, he was at the RHMA headquarters, and he, this, uh, one of the directors said, Do you know who this gentleman is? And I said, uh, No, the janitor. 
And he said, oh my goodness, I can't wait to tell Warren that. And Warren Wiersbe is a very humble man. He has a very practical look on the scriptures. But he said this, he said, most Christians are being hung between two thieves, like the Lord Jesus. And the two thieves are these things, regrets from the past and worries about the future. Would you agree? Have you ever struggled between your regrets, your past, Paul said last week we leave behind, and the worries, the fears you have about tomorrow. Are you familiar with um, the Mayo Clinic? Have any of you ever heard of the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota? We're from the Midwest. It's a place where people go to finally get answers. Well, uh, Charles Mayo, one of the founders of the Mayo Clinic, said this. He said, worry causes problems to the heart, the circulation, the glands, the nervous system. The complete body is affected by worry. There was uh, one day a man walked out and he saw death on his street. He ran into death and he said, what are you going to do today? He said, I'm going to kill 10,000 people. So the man went around his town telling as many people as he could that death was going to take 10,000 of them. At the end of the day, he saw death and he said, hey, what would you do? He said, I killed 10,000 people. He said, but 100,000 people died. He said, yeah, I only killed 10. Fear and worry killed the other 90,000. It's true. Fear can paralyze us. Fear can come into our hearts and just cause us to be uh, ineffective for God in so many ways. I'll make a confession to you, okay? I, when I get worried, when I get stressed, I have canker sores come up on my nose. Now, you all are going to be watching for my nose, my canker sores, right? I'm just confessing with you, okay? Uh, Michael is in, my son-in-law is in college, he's in med school, and I was, when I was in seminary, I would get so nervous around these tests, and ah, it was horrible, and I was always having my nose break out, and, and I call them worry bumps. All right. I don't know what happens to you when you worry, but things happen to us. We aren't trusting God and God knows that we can't serve him fully with joy and rejoicing if we're worried all the time. Right. So what are we going to do about it? Well, this passage addresses worry. How many of you have heard of Corey Ten Boom? Do you remember Corey Ten Boom? The, uh, the book, The Hiding Place. Her family was helping. They were Christians in Holland, helping uh, Jews escape. They were arrested by the Nazis, taken to the prison camp. She lost her parents, grandparents, and her sister there. She came out and became this wonderful um, missionary for God, traveling around the world, telling about how God's love can be with you, even in a concentration camp. And she said this. She said, um, worry uh, does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, Right? But it does empty today of its strength. And worry is like, think of this, a little flow of water that becomes a rut, that becomes a ditch, that becomes the Grand Canyon, and all other thoughts flow into it. Worry does that to us. And it's so important, beloved, that we understand God does not want us to worry. Do you get that? What do you do with this commandment? Thou shalt not steal, right? Well, we kind of know what that means. Stealing is wrong. What do you do with this commandment? Thou shalt not worry. Have you ever thought of it that way? God commands me not to worry. And I worry. I tell Timmy, don't go here. And Timmy goes here. What happens? He's disobeying. Do you disobey? Do we disobey? I'm going to admit, I disobey my God. When my God says, don't worry, and I find myself worrying, I'm, I'm out of line with the Scriptures. But this passage today can help us get over worry, and we can learn and grow. Here we go. 1 
first thing he does here, in, and I think this is very important. In this context about not worrying, he says to uh, Yodia and Syntyche to agree in the Lord. There were two ladies in the Philippian church. This is all we know about them. Yodia and Syntyche. We just know their names. We do not know what the fuss was about. What kind of ladies were these? Were these fussy ladies? Well, look what it says. These ladies had what? Labored side by side with Paul in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of the fellow workers. These ladies were active in church. These ladies were about the gospel. These ladies were loving the Lord and serving the Lord. But you know what happened? They had a disagreement. Is it possible for God-fearing, Christ-honoring people to have disagreements? Do you remember Acts 15? Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement. What was it about? Should we take John Mark or should we not? How'd that go down? Paul said, there's no way I'm taking him. He ditched on the first trip. And Barnabas says, I think we should give him a second chance. And Paul says, I'm not giving him a second chance. Barnabas says, I think we should. What do they do? They part ways. Uh, Paul takes Silas. Barnabas takes Mark. John Mark. And they start two teams. There are times when Christians disagree. But Paul says to these two ladies, I want you all to get along. Beloved, this is some 2,000 years ago. How would you like it 2,000 years from now? People are remembering, yeah, back in Grace Fellowship Church back into the 2,000 years ago, there were these two ladies who couldn't get along. It says so right here in the Bible. Can you believe it? How would you like to have your fusses recorded for eternity? I wouldn't. I would submit to you that one of the primary things that can cause f- worry or stress is when we're not getting along. Right? And I'm not talking just about Yodi and Syntyche. What about the people you live with? What about the people with your last name? How are you getting along with them? Hey, first thing that this passage says is, listen, if there's a disagreement, I want you two to get along in the Lord. It says, getting along in the Lord. And not only are they to be getting along in the Lord, he says to this yoke fellow, we don't know who he is, he says, and my yoke fellow, I want you to help them get along. Are you getting along in the Lord with the people in your home? Are you getting along in the Lord with the people in your house? The Bible says, let's get along. Here's the next thing it says. You, if you're a follower of Jesus, you help others get along. What did Jesus say? Blessed are the peacemakers, right? If you know so-and-so and so-and-so are having a fuss, if I know two people in my family are having a fuss, if I know two people in my church family are having a fuss, I'm supposed to be a peacemaker. Take it upon myself to help people be reconciled. He said, I want these ladies to get along in the Lord. We can worry about relationships. Getting along in the Lord, first step. Secondly, rejoice in the Lord always. Let me say that again. Rejoice. Okay, this, this one kind of got me. Because I want to ask you a question. Do you rejoice in the Lord? One version actually said, be full of joy. That is a passive. Be full of just means like I can sit around like a tank and be full of. But this is different. The Greek word is an active verb, which means do this. Instead of sitting around like a full tank of joy, we are supposed to be a fountain of joy. Joy is supposed to come out. I've got joy like a fountain. Remember the little song he sang in Bible school or wherever? Joy like a fountain. Joy like a fountain in my soul. The Bible says rejoice. Are you rejoicing? What does it look like when you rejoice? Do you like to rejoice in the Lord? You know, it means to it means to celebrate, to revel, to glory in, to express great joy. That means to rejoice. Now, let me just ask you this. Look back over the past week. Were you rejoicing in the Lord? Was there a time 
where you were like maybe had some worship music going. I don't know what it looks like for you. You were just rejoicing in the Lord. Do you like music? Music helps me. I like music. I get some really great gospel suit tunes on and get my Pandora tuned to my stations and I can, you know, really enjoy rejoicing in the Lord. I got excited this morning. I got so excited this morning that I had the privilege of sharing this message with you because this message has been huge for me. Preparing it has been huge for me. Rejoicing. What does it look like when you rejoice? Do you do it? Do you know how? Maybe we need to have a class on how to rejoice in the Lord. But he says it twice. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Did you get that? Rejoice. I tell you to rejoice. He repeats it. Very important. I had a, a teacher in seminary tell me this. When he says, when the Greek says something and he says it again, he says, Paul's putting a lot of emphasis right here. If you are rejoicing, do you know how hard it is to worry if you're rejoicing? This past week, did you practice Thanksgiving? We're going to do that in a little bit. But rejoicing is so important. You should know how to rejoice. And not only should you know how, you should do it. I should do it. God wants us to rejoice in the Lord. We have so much to be thankful for. He goes from there and he says this. Not only are we to rejoice in the Lord, celebrate, revel, glory in God's goodness. Let your reasonableness. Now, I want you to put down reasonableness. But above it in parentheses, put gentleness. Reasonableness is what the ESV says. I appreciate the word gentleness. Gentleness, the old King James says, moderation. Do you know what gentleness means? Moderation, reasonableness means. It means I'm not insisting on getting my way all the time. I'm willing to let go of my rights. If someone stubs my toe, you know what? I've stubbed plenty of other people's toe. If I if it doesn't have to go my way all the time, I'm fine with it not going my way all the time. It says, let your gentleness, let your reasonableness, let your gentleness be known unto all men. It says, the Lord is at hand. Now, this is a very convicting analogy for me. We have been thankful to have uh, Mo spending his uh, foreign exchange year in our home. Think about this. Have you ever corrected your children when no one else is around? It's just you and the kid. And they spilled the whole bag of fertilizer in the garage. How did that go for you? I mean, they were kind of... It's not like they were moving the bag and dropped it. They were jacking around, pushing each other. And next thing you know, bam, it's all fertilizer all over the garage. How do you handle that? Next question. How do you handle it if Pastor Bill just happened to be stopping by your house that day? Standing there. And, oh, hey, sons, would you be careful? Don't look at that. You know, that's how. That's how I do it when Pastor Bill's around. Um, but the hypocritical thing about that whole thing is, anytime I correct my children, who is right there with me? Right inside my heart. The Lord is. In, 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 and why I mentioned Mo is this: we've got a visitor in our house full time. Okay. You're going to raise the level of the way you talk to each other? Just have some company all the time. You know? <laughs> How nice are you in companies there, right? You fight in front of you? I mean, you fight in front of your company? Who does that? Well, the Bible would have us to remember God is always near. He says, let your gentleness be known to everyone. Remember, when you deal with your wife or your kid or whatever the situation is, God's right there beside you. Let the Lord govern the way you respond to anything. Now that gives us, that brings us to this next, the, the heart of our passage here this morning. Don't worry. Be anxious. It says, don't worry about anything. Okay? Don't worry about anything. Everybody turn your paper over real quick. 
says, don't worry about anything. But now I want you to list the top three things you're tempted to worry about most. Top three things you're tempted to worry about more than anything else. If you're going to be worrying in your mind, you're worried about this. What is that? Top three things. Top three things you're tempted to worry about. Write them on the back of your page. Top three things. Top three things. If I'm going to be stressed about something, it's going to be this. Or this or this. Got it? For those of you who are good at worrying, you should, this, shouldn't be, this should be easy, right? <laughs> what do you tend to worry about? Okay, help me out. Health. Money. Health. Relationships, okay? Those are three biggies, right? Health, money, and relationships. If all your health problems were taken care of, no worries. If all your money problems were taken care of, no worries. If all your relationships, whether it's spouses or children or whatever... No worries. What else? Anyone else? Someone top three? School. Okay. Job, school performance, right? Michael, how, you ever worry about tests? That is amazing. <laughs> Michael's a lot like me. Man, I, I would have a Hebrew test and I'd just, I'd get the bumps in my nose, my stomach would be erect, and I got that test over Hebrew vocabulary. What? I should have been reading what the Hebrew word said. <laughs> Anyone else want to add to those? Children. Children. Okay. All right, problems. Add your children's health, your children's finances, your children's marriages, right? We worry about these things, okay? This is what we worry about. What's the Bible say? Now, take and make a circle around those three things you listed and draw a great big bar through one of those do not enter signs, you know? Big circle. No. God says, I don't want you to worry about anything. Well, but God, I'm concerned. It's, there, is there a difference between being worried and being concerned? I hear about Randy's health. I hear about Mark Wilson's mom or Susie's hips or her dad. Her grandpa died. You know, you hear about these things from week to week. We hear about people's needs in the church family and we should. Am I, am I worried about that or am I genuinely concerned? If I'm concerned, God says to do what? Don't worry about anything but in what? Everything. Now, what's the difference between not worrying about anything but in everything? These words are all-inclusive words. You know, we're told not to say things like always and never, right? These are those kind of words. They're called superlatives. Anything. Everything. God says, don't worry about anything. There shouldn't be anything on your word list. But in everything, that that drops it all. Right. By what? By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. How many of you had turkey dinners this week? How many of you brought some of that to share today? Alright. Listen. You got who all likes turkey and mashed potatoes? Anybody like turkey? Alright, my wife makes turkey and mashed potatoes and she makes sweet potatoes. This is just the deal. Turkey and mashed potatoes. But if she passed the turkey, which she does a really good job, nice and moist. And then she passed the potatoes, which have got butter and garlic in it, you know. But you know what? There's one more thing I gotta have. You gotta have gravy, right? It's just a bunch of dried potatoes and the gravy, right? Listen, beloved. When I was thinking about this in light of Thanksgiving dinner, God wants us to not worry, not be anxious, not be afraid about anything. I think it's 138 times close to that. The Bible tells us to not be afraid. Fear not. 
Don't be afraid. Do you remember in the Sermon on the Mount, one of the Jesus' first sermon in chapter 6, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, 6, 7, he says at the end of chapter 6, he says, take no thought or do not be worried about anything. And later on, after he would tell the disciples, I'm going to be leaving you all and I'm going to be going away, he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And he tells us not to worry. Jesus knew that we're prone to worry. But by prayer and supplication, I found out there's a difference between prayer and supplication. When I'm praying, the, the connotation here is, I'm praying that certain things don't happen. And in supplication, I'm praying that certain things do happen. You know, um, I'm going to pick on Susie. I remember Susie, wasn't that long ago, you went back for some tests, right? Didn't you go for your annual cancer checkup or something. I remember praying that that wouldn't happen and making a supplication that the results would come back uh, positive. And so prayer says, Lord, I don't want these things to happen. In fact, I'm taking my care fears and casting them on you. God, I'm worried. I'm concerned about this. I'll say, we'll say, Lord, I'm worried about this, but you said I'm not supposed to be worried. So I'm going to be concerned. And here's what I'm going to do, Lord. I'm going to pray that you handle this in this way so this doesn't happen. But Lord, I'm also going to make this supplication that you work in their lives and this happens. And I'll tell you what, sometimes, folks, even the things that we pray that won't happen, still happen. Have you been there? Have you prayed that this 25-year-old son-in-law doesn't die? And he dies anyway? Have you prayed that this um, brother or sister or someone you know won't get a divorce and they divorced anyway? Guys, we have to understand that God is still on the throne. Prayer and supplication. Think about, Lord, I'm going to be praying about this and I'm going to make supplication for this. But at the same time, I'm going to cover the whole thing with thanksgiving. We had a, a wonderful week this week at our house. Thanksgiving week, I challenged all the kids to... Um, to write down things they were thankful for. So here's the, here's the assignment. Take your age and multiply it times three. Okay? And you need to come up with that many things to be thankful for. So if you're 10, I need 30 things. And if you're 15, I want 45 things. And if you're 52, I want 156 things you're thankful for. Folks, it was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, where's Timmy? Where's Timmy? Timmy. Timmy said, I'm thankful for body parts. You know what? Hey, that's a good thing to be thankful. Right? How would you like to go around like this? Would you like, right? Lose a body part. He said, I'm thankful for a brain that thinks. Or the brain that works. And you know what? Hey, when your brain doesn't work, it's a bad thing, right? We had a, a really neat time coming up with things to be thankful for. But what happens if you are practicing Thanksgiving? God, I want to thank you for the time you did this. And God, I want to thank you for this person. And God, I want to thank you. You know what? It's hard to be fussy with someone you just got done thanking God for. Michael said he was thankful for trials and tribulations. And when people read their list, we tried to make note of things. Oh, no one else said trials and tribulations. That's a good one. You know what? That's, are you thankful for trials and tribulations? Do you know what the Bible says? In every circumstance, give thanks. doesn't matter what I'm going through. In there, there's something to be thankful for, right? But you know, the Bible also says, give thanks for the circumstance. Give thanks for the trial. Michael said, you know, if it hadn't been for the trials and tribulations, I probably would be a much more complacent Christian. Have you grown through trials and tribulations? Andrew, you have? Yeah. Ray, trials and tribulations. Glenn, trials? Have you grown through them? Are they good for us? 
Do we thank God for them? I'll tell you what, folks. This is the key to... This is the best antidepressant you're ever going to get on. In fact, this is the only one I recommend. And this is thanksgiving that God allows us to put our trust and thank. We're thanking God for all He's done. And I'm practicing. I'm practicing thankfulness all the time. You know what? It lifts your heart. If you're thankful for your trial, what are you worried about? God, you're taking me through a very difficult time. Thank you. You're going to work this out together for my good. Thank you, God. And thanksgiving. Do you see how thanksgiving can take the worry? Take a thankful person and a worried person. Or take one person, you, and say, I'm going to be thankful. And try to be worried at the same time. It doesn't work. Because your thankfulness will take the worries away. God says, but be anxious for what? Don't worry about anything but in... Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Now listen to this promise. He says, let your request be made known to God. Don't forget this. Circle this on your outline right here. And, and, I am not worrying, but in everything I'm praying and thanking God. And, letting my request be made known. And what happens? It says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart. And your mind in Christ Jesus. Let's say that again. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Does it say might? Tell me out, folks. Will. Does it say hopefully will? It says will. The old King James shall. You know, thou shalt. It shall guard your heart and your mind. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. This is a neat, neat uh, study because when I got the, the word here is a military word. Who are my vets? Kyle is a vet. Any other vets? Okay. Ken was a vet. Yes. Imagine this. And for my kids. Do you guys ever, ever go to school? For those of you who go to public school, are there ever any mean kids at school? Kids that you'd really rather not see or meet? Okay, Taryn's shaking her head yes. I'm going to use Taryn as an example. Taryn, imagine tomorrow you're going to go to school and there's this bully. And he lives between your house and school. But all the guys from church have decided we're going to walk Taryn to school tomorrow, okay? So you're walking in the middle of all these big guys from church. And you're right here in the middle. Maybe Dominique's with you. And we're walking like this, you know, do you think anybody's going to get you? And your dad there with us, right? No. No. That is the imagery that Paul is trying to convey here in Philippians 4. What he's saying is the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Do you remember in the book of Acts, when Paul is arrested in Jerusalem, they want to bring him to trial, but there's a plot out for his life. Do you remember that? And they take like 200 footmen and 70 horsemen and they put Paul in the middle of this group and they get him out of town and they take him to Caesarea. This whole thing is when we put off worrying and I put on prayer and supplication with the Thanksgiving, potatoes, turkey with the dressing. When I do that, what happens? It says the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. It will blow your mind. 
how big, how strong, how deep, how wide is the peace of God which will show up and guard your heart. So imagine, imagine yourself surrounded by 200 soldiers, Roman soldiers, 70 horsemen. There's no way anybody is getting in. And what happens is, when we do this, folks, we rejoice. We let God work on our interpersonal relationships. We practice rejoicing. We're praying. We're thanking God. What happens? The peace of God, which which blows our minds, shows up and it keeps my heart and it keeps my mind, right, in Christ Jesus. Now, what's the difference between my heart and my mind? The mind is the seedbed of my thoughts. I think thoughts in my mind, right? What happens in my heart? This is the seedbed of my emotions, all right? You can take... Uh, some people react to things differently. Here's, the, here's I used to use this example. If I had a box, when I had a bunch of kids at home, well, we still have a bunch of kids at home, but there was a time when we had a whole lot of more kids at home. But if I would take a box and put it on the table and say, hey, come here, you guys, I want you guys to see this. All my kids, they're like, what's in the box? There's a shoebox, the Nike box with a lid. Don't open the box, I just want you guys to see what's in the box. And I got boys, and I got girls, and I got all these little kids, big kids, and they're like, okay, yeah, what's in the box? And I open the lid. Now, where we lived in Illinois, we had this valley where we kept mode to play football in, okay? But the rat snakes love living down there in the grass. And now I've got a five-foot rat snake in this shoebox, okay? All of my children see the same black snake in the same little cardboard box. What happens? First of all, they think different thoughts. I got some boys who go, Cool, rat snake! And they're really happy. I caught one. They get to hold it and play with it. I've got some other kids... Rat snake! Ah! And they have thoughts. Rat snakes are like rattlesnakes and they kill people, you know. They're not, they're not true thoughts. But they have emotions based on their thoughts. Would you agree? You can be going through your day and all of a sudden, no problems, all of a sudden, a thought comes, bam, how do you react to that thought? Are you happy? Or are you sad? Same stimulus, right? Different emotions based on your thoughts. But God says, this formula... If we're putting off worry and we're praying, we'll do this. It will keep my heart and it will keep my mind in Christ Jesus. This is so powerful, folks. And I'll tell you what. If we combine, I'll just throw this in. This is bonus. If you throw in worship, rejoicing in the names of God, and you think about who God is and what God does and what God is capable of doing... And you throw that in with thanksgiving, boy, you can go through life with a peace. A peace that passes all understanding. I know some of you have been through death. Some of you have been through cancer. Some of you have been through divorce. Right? But the heart that is here can be kept even through the storm. That song that um, uh, Lord and there's a Matt Redman song. You never let go. Yeah, listen to this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. And when I am caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back. I know that you're near. Beloved, you can go through hard times. And I know that for 2000, 2015 was a hard year for some of you. 
Some of you went through open heart surgery. Some of you might have gone through a difficult move. Some of you may have been through a divorce with your, you know, uh, yourself or possibly someone you know. Those things hurt. Those things are very hard. And yet I will submit to you, have any of you had experience with the peace of God keeping your heart even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death? Have you experienced Christ's help in these very difficult times? Beloved, the key to, to not being worried is to focus on God because this is our responsibility. Prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. What is God's responsibility? This is a promise. You can put this in the bank. And when all the world melts and all the banks have failed and we're all in heaven, do you know what? This promise will still be going on. And I just want to encourage all of us. Did I say all of you or did I say all of us? I want to say all of us because you know what? Your pastor needs help not worrying. I need to practice this as much as any of you need to practice this. But I have also experienced this peace. And this week we're talking about the peace of God. You know what we get to talk about next week? The God of peace. Not just the peace of God to keep my heart like an army around me and to keep my mind, but the God of peace shows up next week. And you know what? This is a wonderful scripture. Beloved, if you apply what we learned this morning, would this radically change your life? I'm serious. If we just said, you know what, Lord, that's a good lesson from Philippians. I want to apply that in my life. Will that change your life? It will change your life radically. And what happens when a church or a family becomes free of worry and stress? Do you know what? We're a whole lot freer to focus on serving and giving and blessing others than we are worried about ourselves. Mark Twain said this. He said, I have suffered many things in my life. And some of them actually happened. I worry about a lot of stuff that never happens. Jesus said this. Why do you worry about tomorrow, right? You can't change one hair of your head. Black or white. Right? Well, I guess you can color it nowadays. But Jesus was saying, what can you do by worrying? Can you change your height by worrying about it? He said, so taking thought for tomorrow. Right? Today has enough problems of its own. And what are we supposed to do with those problems? Pray, make supplication, but don't forget to be thankful. And God's peace will keep our hearts. I want to pray. And then I'm going to sh- uh, we're going to shift a little bit of gears. And we're going to show that little video clip and Carolee and Michael will come up. But let's take a moment and pray. Father in heaven, we're here as a church family thankful for the word. Thankful for scripture that was written almost 2,000 years ago that still applies to us today. In fact, it's very relevant to us today. Lord, you know that we live in a troublesome time. You said in the end times, men are going to get worse and worse And evil times will come and there will be wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and all these things going on. And yet you told us not to be afraid, even in the turbulent end times. And Father, we just thank you that this scripture reminds us by prayer and supplication, we have to be rejoicing and getting along with one another in the Lord, encouraging others. But Lord, we can can change and we can grow. Lord, I confess to you as, as a pastor, as a brother in this church. I'm no different than anyone in this church with a struggle for worrying. But God, I would like to be free of worry. And this passage in Philippians tells us how. Lord, I pray that each one of us in our own hearts, we would repent. Where we realize worrying is a sin. You have said don't worry, but we do it. God, please forgive us for worrying and being fearful. 
And Lord, help us. Teach us to pray. Teach us to make supplication. May Thanksgiving be a part of our life, not just one day or one week of the year, but Lord, may this be a way of life for the people at Grace Fellowship Church. May we be known as thankful people. We won't be as fussy if we're thankful. We won't be as grouchy if we're thankful. Lord, please change our hearts. Forgive us for the sin of worry. Help us to grow in our understanding of who you are and what you would have us to do. And may the peace, your peace, which goes beyond our wildest imaginations, keep our hearts and our minds according to your promise. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. I love you dearly, and I just pray that you can put this in there, practice. I'm working that.